today's selection from Calvert Library's digital collection, Hero on a Bicycle, by Shirley Hughes. Chapter 1 When Paolo reached the deserted stretch of road where it was too steep to pedal, he dismounted and began to wheel his bicycle instead. He knew it was far too late for him to be out. He was not supposed to go out alone after dark at all, and so, inevitably, it was something he spent a good deal of his time plotting to do. It was around two o'clock in the morning, and the high walls on either side of the road gave his footsteps a curious double echo. It was, as always, frightening. His way ahead lay uphill. He was returning home from one of his secret night rides into Florence, which now lay behind him in its bowl of hills, a dark, closely shuttered wartime city. There was very little traffic except for police and army trucks at that time of night. Streets and squares were dark and silent, and the bridges that spanned the silvery, snaking Arno River were all unlit. If he looked back, he could see the familiar ribbed dome of the cathedral and its attendant bell tower, which he had known since childhood, flattened against the silhouette of the northern suburbs. By day, they were part of his ordinary world. At this time of night, they were not so reassuring. The houses on either side of the road were mostly large 19th-century mansions, set well apart and looming in spacious gardens behind locked iron gates. Many of them were now closed up, their owners had abandoned them and decamped to the countryside where food was less scarce. No hospitable light spilled onto the road, and only dry leaves skittered across the fitful beam of his carefully shaded bicycle light. He began to wonder why he did this. The most exciting part, really, was planning his escape. The elaborate subterfuge of pretending to go to bed early, and listening for his mother's footsteps on the stairs, and her heels tapping along the side landing, and then waiting for her to say her last prayers of the day and turn out her light. Then came his own noiseless descent, the squeeze through the back pantry window, and the agonizing tension of trying to remove his bicycle from the shed without disturbing his old dog, Guido. Maria, the only servant who still lived in, occupied the room behind the kitchen, but she slept like a log. His older sister Costanza's bedroom was on the top floor, and it was a fairly safe bet that if she did hear anything, she would not bother to let on. The climax of the escapade was the moment when he took off all alone, coasting downhill in the dark with a fresh wind in his face. And it was over much too soon. Escape was essential, though. He had to get away from the boredom and from the pinched wartime austerities of his home. Costanza's tiresome aloofness, his mother's goodness, and the burden of endlessly being expected to be helpful. With his father away, a household of women, relieved only by the coming and going of priests who did not count as men, was no place for him. The city at night fascinated him. At thirteen, he liked to think he was one of those characters who welcomed the darkness to pursue his own particular purposes, like his current hero, James Cagney, whom he had seen in American movies. Hard-boiled, not always on the right side of the law, and devastatingly attractive to women in spite of being short and not very handsome. With these thoughts in his head, Paolo would cycle along streets of shops that were familiar by day but now mysterious, with all their shutters down. Sometimes he would catch a glimpse of lovers in shadowed doorways. He had learned how to dodge drunks and gangs of boys much tougher than he was, to dismount and whisk around corners, to avoid the civil or military police, and to keep well within the shadow of the wall in deserted squares. 
The huddled groups he sometimes came upon, deeply immersed in murmured conversation, cigarettes aglow in the dark, and faces theatrically lit for a second by the flare of a match, excited him deeply. So most of all did those side streets, where doors opened and closed briefly to reveal dimly lit interiors inhabited, according to Maria, by bad women. But, beginning to trudge home in the small hours of the morning, he felt the usual sense of anticlimax and frustration. Nothing had happened, and now he had to face the anxiety of getting back into the house again without being discovered. He stopped and flung his bicycle against a nearby wall to get his breath back and consider the situation. At that moment, someone came up silently behind him and clapped a strong hand over his mouth. Chapter 2 Silencio, don't try to struggle, said a man's voice close to his ear. No chance of that. Paolo felt himself go limp with fear. His first thought was that he might have wet himself, and he prayed that it was not enough to notice. His next thought was, I'm going to be beaten up. His arms were jerked behind his back and pinioned. Whoever it was, he sensed there were two of them. They were much bigger than he was. He was swung around, and the hand was removed from his mouth. He screwed up his face, but no blow came. In front of him was a man who, he guessed, was smaller than the one who was still gripping his hands tightly behind his back. The man wore a peaked cap, pulled well down, and a scarf pulled well up over the lower part of his face. His deep-set, slightly slanting eyes glittered in the dark, eyes like a fox's. He had a shotgun, but it was not pointed at Paolo. Instead, he held it nonchalantly in the crook of his arm like a man out shooting birds. But I bet it's loaded, thought Paolo. You, Paolo Crivelli? Paolo nodded. How do you know my name? He wanted to ask, but his mouth was too dry to speak. Attenzione, listen carefully. We're not going to hurt you if you know how to keep quiet, understood? The man who held him jerked Paolo's neck backward, as though to emphasize this point. You're Signora Crivelli's son. Another nod. We have a message for your mother. My mother? Paolo turned completely cold with terror. What could men like these want with his mother? We need to speak with her, not at the house. Wait till you're alone with her, and then tell her we're in the area and we'll be getting in touch. Tomorrow night, if we can, the usual way. Paolo said nothing. Do like we tell you, and if anyone else, anyone, understand, finds out and sticks their nose in, it'll be her that gets in trouble. The grip on Paolo's arms tightened. Paolo nodded again. Then, quite suddenly, he was let go. The man who had held him spun him around to face the way home, then picked up his bicycle and thrust it at him. Get going, he said, giving him a shove. Without a word, Paolo mounted his bike and forced his trembling legs to carry him away up the hill. He did not look back. He knew that if he did, the road behind him would already be empty. If you enjoyed this chapter and are hungry for more, this title is available in ebook format through Hoopla. If you're enjoying Book Bites, please don't forget to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if there are books or genres you'd like to hear, email us at calvertlibrarybookbites at gmail.com. Visit calvertlibrary.info for more information and stay tuned for more Book Bites.